Jesus calls us to take up our cross and follow him. You're listening to Crosswalk with Pastor Steve Winery. Crosswalk is the radio ministry of Calvary Chapel Tri-Cities, and it is our aim to lead you to the cross through the teaching of God's Word. Okay, John chapter 21. This is the story of the restoration of Peter, and it's all about do-overs. It's all about second chances. And so let's uh, pray before we get started and we'll get into it. Father, we thank you again, Lord, for your grace towards us. Lord, for uh, these awesome examples that we have in Scripture of the way that you actually deal with people. Your word says, Lord Jesus, that you're the one who reveals the Father. No one, no one seen, no one's seen God at any time. Uh, the only begotten Son, who's in the bosom of the Father, He has revealed Him. And Lord, this is one of those passages where you reveal Him. You reveal what uh, the Lord thinks about us. Lord, you are a God of grace and a God of mercy. And so, Lord, as we're going through and, and talking about this, Lord, we pray that you'd speak to our hearts in the areas that we need to be spoken to, and, uh, Lord, that you'd change us because of the time that we spend here. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, John chapter 21. It says, After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. That's the Sea of Galilee. And in this way, he showed himself. Simon Peter Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we're going with you. And they went out and immediately got into the boat and that night they caught nothing, as usual. It's it's just amazing. You go through the Bible and every time you see these guys on their own out fishing, these are fishermen. This is their business. And every time you see them, they're catching nothing, every single time. until Jesus comes along. And this is not a passage that's any different. It says, but when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples didn't know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? Literally in Greek, that says, boys, you have any food? This is like a, this this is one of those passages that that really kind of gets to me because I like to fish okay, but I'm not the greatest fisherman. And if I was sitting out, you know, it's like Mitch, Mitch will take me fishing, for example. Mitch used to have a boat, so we go, we go bass fishing, right? And so we go out bass fishing. He, he's got a really good spot. It's over by the sloughs, and, you know, and, and I'm, I'm using exactly the same lure he is. I'm in exactly the same boat he is. He catches 40 bass, 40, and I catch maybe 10 at the time, and they're just biting all over the place. And it's just so irritating. So, you know, it's like I could imagine being these guys, and I'm out there fishing, and some guy on the shore goes, hey, you catch anything? And what I would say is, shut up, or I'm gonna take my boat and ram it up on the shore and come after you, or whatever. Anyway, that's what Jesus is doing to them. He's mocking them. And so God is hilarious. 
So a lot of times, you know, when we, when, we, when we think of God, we think he's always serious and always stern and all that kind of stuff. And Jesus is obviously making fun of these guys. Boys, do you have any food? And the answer is no. That's, and that's how they answer him. And he said to them, cast the net on the, other, on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. So they cast, and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved, this is John who wrote the gospel, said to Peter, it's the Lord. Now, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it and plunged into the sea. How's John know it's the Lord? And the reason he knows it's the Lord is because Jesus has done this with these guys before. He did this at the, at the beginning of Peter's ministry. There's two situations where Peter ran into Jesus. And one of them is in John chapter one, where his brother Andrew brought him to Christ. And so Jesus, when he, when he sees Peter, um, he talks to him, kind of prophesies over him and, and uh, talks about his character and, and that kind of thing. But then it looks like Peter went on with his life, with his fishing and that kind of stuff. And in the book of Luke, we find that Jesus at one point is wanting to address a crowd. And so he asked Peter if he can get in his boat and, you know, go off the shore a little bit so he can talk to these people. And then afterwards they go out and go fishing and they catch more fish than they can handle. And so John has seen this before. And as soon as he sees it again, John was one of Peter's business partners. As soon as he sees it again, he, he just turns to Peter and he goes, it's the Lord. Uh, again, it's the Lord. Now, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment for he had removed it and plunged into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from land, but about 200 cubits, dragging the net with fish. Then as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals there and fish laid on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you have just caught. And Peter went up and dragged it in. So let's go through and talk about this a little bit. Number one, do you remember what Jesus said when he was talking, actually what the angels said at the resurrection? when they were talking to the women and addressing what was gonna take place. One of the things that Jesus said is, I'm going to meet with the disciples in Galilee. So they need to go to Galilee and I'm going to meet them there. And this is Jesus' fulfillment of that promise to meet, meet the disciples in Galilee. When Jesus gets there, what's happening with Peter is he decides that he's going fishing. And that may be the kind of situation where He's just wanting to go out fishing. He's, you know, he's filling time. Jesus hasn't shown up. And so he's just kind of, you know, taking care of business. He's got to feed his family and, and that kind of thing. And so maybe it's a situation where he just decides that he wants to go fishing. But one of the things that you have to remember about what's going on in this passage is everything that's preceded this. And so Peter's boast, for example, even though all these deny you, I'll never deny you. And then you have Peter, well, then uh, Jesus tells him, you know what, Peter, before the cock crows, you're gonna deny me three times. And he goes, I'll die with you. Even, even though I die with you, I'll never deny you, right? And then they go out to the Garden of Gethsemane. And when they're there, Jesus asks Peter to pray with him. And what Peter does is goes to sleep. And he's not the only one. You know, the other uh, two disciples went to sleep too. But still, Peter, the guy who's talking about how faithful he is to the Lord, can't even stay up one hour. And that's what Jesus said to him. 
you can't even stay up with, we, with me one hour to pray with me? And he had a failure there. Then you have Peter's situation where when Judas comes up and he's going to betray Jesus publicly, Judas comes up and kisses Jesus. Well, he's got 800 guys behind him. And we talked about that when we were talking about the Garden of Gethsemane. And so he brought a whole contingent of men to come and get Jesus. And they were taking this seriously. That's why they had so many people that were with him. And uh, where we get that from is the word that's used for the group that came with him. In Greek, it's a, um, it's a portion of a, of a legion. And it's one-tenth of a legion. That's 600 guys plus the guys from the temple. And so you could easily have 800 guys there coming to get Jesus. And you could see why, because Jesus was such a popular figure. And so Peter, um, to his credit, when it's obvious that they're going to arrest Jesus, he pulls out his sword and he starts you know, going after the, the uh, high priest's servant. And he misses because he's not a swordsman, he's a fisherman, well, kinda. <laughs> and so he misses and cut off, cuts uh, the man's ear off. And it's at that point that Jesus tells him to put away his sword and that he could call down 12 legions of angels if he wanted to. And then he reaches over and touches the man ear, man's ear and heals it. And I always like to tell you, at that point, the guy's got three ears. He's got two on his head and one on the ground. And if I was him, I'd pick up, pick up the ear on the ground, I'd take it home, and I'd stick it in vinegar. And I'd pickle that puppy, you know, just so I could keep it forever. That's, that's a pretty cool thing. And then Peter follows Jesus. The Bible says he follows Jesus from afar, and uh, he ends up in the courtyard of the high priest's um, house, and that's where he's standing by the enemy's fire, and he ends up denying Jesus three times, and you have Peter's fall at that point. Then you have Peter's regret, because the last time that he said, I don't know him, he curses, and the curse isn't saying, you know, GD it or something like that. The curse is the idea that um, may God curse me if I ever knew that man, is what Peter was saying, which is, which is radical. That's, that's a radical kind of statement to make. And at the moment that he did that, Jesus came out. He was walking out from one trial about to go to another and Peter and Jesus lock eyes from across the courtyard. And it's at that point that Peter um, goes out, you know, uh, weeping bitterly at that point because he realizes what, he's do what he'd done. And uh, something about looking in somebody's eyes that you've betrayed, right? And he betrayed the, the Lord. I wonder what the Lord's eyes look like. Think they were angry? Or you think they were compassionate? Oh, Peter, I told you. I told you. In any case, he locked eyes with Jesus and right after the Lord saw him deny him. You got this whole situation with Peter's lack of closure. The last thing he heard from Jesus was put your sword away, I don't need your help. That's the last thing he actually heard from him. Put your sword away, I don't need your help. And then Jesus dies and Peter can't even say he's sorry because he's too scared to go to the cross. And so now not only was he afraid in front of a little girl, that's who he denied the Lord to first, not only was he afraid because he was warming his hand by, hands by the enemy's fire, even women 
aren't afraid to go and try to be a comfort to Jesus when he's dying on the cross and Peter can't go. Because he's, and you know, being a guy, you look at that and you just go, I'm such a coward, such a coward. And then Jesus has a one-on-one with Peter. And we don't know that from the gospels. We know that from what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15. It says that Jesus appeared to Peter first. And I imagine that what happened there was Jesus forgave him. And so Jesus has a personal appearance to, with, with Peter before um, he appears to any other of the other disciples. And so when we, in John 21, where you have that situation on Sunday night where he appears to the 11, Thomas was missing, and Peter was there, that's not the first time that Peter saw him. That's the second time that Peter saw him. And so I imagine that the, that the reason that the Lord um, appeared to Peter there is because the Lord was going to um, give Peter forgiveness and just go, Peter, I forgive you. You know, you don't, you don't have to hold on to this. You don't, have to, you don't have to take this. You don't have to be like this for the rest of your life. I forgive you. And look, I, you know, what I said was going to happen, happened. Here I am, I'm risen from the dead trying to comfort Peter. But again, that's often not enough, is it? When you've done something as awful as what Peter's done. And so Peter, at this point, even though Jesus has appeared to him, he's risen from the dead and all this stuff, you see Peter um, kind of hesitant. When he, remember when he goes to the tomb and John looks in the tomb, he sees that the body is gone and he, re, and he believes, he believes that Jesus rose from the dead. Peter, meanwhile, goes in and he examines the grave clothes and he doesn't know what to believe. Um, the word that says, that talks about Peter seeing the grave clothes is a Greek word, theore, and it's the idea that he was trying to figure out what happened, trying to come up with a theory. Is, it's, it's where we get our word theory. And so he's just trying to figure out what happened and probably part of the reason for his reticence is because of you know, what, it, what he'd just been through. And what you've got with Peter by the time that he gets here is a guy who, although he has taken part in the greatest miracle that, the, that history's ever seen in the coming of God to earth and the greatest miracle that Jesus ever performed in rising from the dead and being a witness of those things, he still feels like a complete failure. And that's exactly how I would feel. I'd feel like a complete failure. And so the fact that Jesus would forgive me, you know, well, praise God for that, but I'm still a complete failure and I shouldn't be the man that I am. And that's where this guy is sitting. He's failed completely at that for which Jesus had called him. He's called to be sent, he's called to be a witness. Jesus outlined what their ministry was gonna be in John 14 through 16. He talks about the Holy Spirit is gonna lead you into all truth and you're gonna be witnesses to me and, and all of this stuff. And Jesus couldn't even hang on to his loyalty, loyalty to the Lord in front of a little girl. And so a complete failure at that for which Jesus called him. He was a witness, he's supposed to be a witness Jesus, when he first called him into ministry, he said, you're not going to be a fisherman anymore. Now you're going to be a fisher of men. And how can you do that when you don't have the guts to even say that you're a friend of Jesus or that you love him or that you serve him or that you walk with him? He's supposed to be one sent by God. He's supposed to be a holy disciple. 
And he's not any of that, right? And so here he is is up in Galilee at this point, and what Peter says here is, I'm going fishing. In, In literal Greek, it says, I go away to fish. That's in Young, Young's literal translation. Got another translation called, called Weist's, from Weist's uh, word studies. It's Weist's New Testament. And he's a Greek scholar. And he translated that passage this way. It's out of John 21, or it's this one in John 21, three. Simon Peter says to them, I'm going off, breaking my former connections to my former fishing business. And they say to him, as, as for us, we are coming also to join you. And so it looks like what Peter was actually doing isn't just going fishing for a day. He's figured that, you know, he's not gonna make it as an apostle, that he's not worthy to be an apostle. And one of the things that the guy didn't realize is that he was never worthy to be an apostle. He thought his standing was based on the fact that he was Peter the Rock. Remember Jesus telling him that? Originally his name was Simon. And Jesus changed his name to a word that means rock and here the rock is a marshmallow, basically. <laughs> and so he doesn't think he's worth it at this point. And uh, obviously he's not worthy. And so what he decides to do is just go back to what he knows. Go back to what he's been before. Just go back. So I'm gonna go back to fishing. And I don't think he was you know, deciding to walk away from the Lord or to deny Jesus again. I just think that he didn't feel worthy to be used by Jesus on any kind of level because of all that he'd done. One of, the, one of the cool things about Peter being in a position like that is the guy is not going to be somebody who depends on himself probably for the rest of his life because his dependence on self and on his flesh and on his own strength became such a horrendous train wreck that going back there probably wouldn't have happened. I'm not saying that he's perfect from that point on, but you don't see Peter being the same man that he was in the Gospels when you get to the book of Acts. He's a different man when he gets there. And this is one of the reasons, because of his total and complete failure and how Jesus in this passage restores him. So Jesus probably, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm just reading into the events, probably when Jesus appeared to Peter, um, him, and, him and Jesus alone, that was where Peter got forgiveness. But this chapter is where Peter is gonna be restored, where Peter's gonna be put back into the position um, that Jesus called him to and put back into the position of service. You ever failed Jesus miserably? You ever just blow it so bad? Never just walk away from an encounter with somebody where you, you might, as, might as well have cursed and said, I don't know the man because you were so gutless and you know, just so scared of somebody that was standing in front of you that you couldn't confess Jesus to him. And I'm saying that about you because that's never happened to me. Not ever. Yeah. You could tell that it's happened to me, right? Yeah, there's, there, there's been a number of times where you know, look at me. I'm six feet tall. You know, it's like I've been 200 pounds since I was, since I was like, eight, you know, 17 years old. 
And I, I would be standing in front of people, you know, just wanting to be a witness to them and just be so scared. And they're usually a head shorter than me and probably, you know, at least 30 pounds lighter than me. They can't take me. And yet I'm totally frightened about what they're going to think about me and what they're going to do, you know, do what they're going to say to me and that kind of thing. Just a gutless little pencil neck wimp. That's what I think of myself, you know. <laughs> That's what I thought of myself in, in situations like that. Or other times where, you know, I'm trying to witness to somebody and I'm, and I'm just being like mamby-pamby and just kind of trying to say nice things so that they'll like me and, and that kind of stuff. And you just, just walk away and the Lord's like, you, Steve, you should have just told them. You should have just said something. I know, I know, <laughs> Lord, I'm such a jerk, you know. That kind of, you know, that kind of situation. And it's not like that never, never happens anymore, but it happens a whole lot less, and I like it that it happens a whole lot less. So I'm not, con you know, I'm not constantly looking at my failures and, and, and just regretting those things. I want to I walk in strength. I want to walk with Jesus. I want to I be bold for him. And that's not going to happen in the power of my own strength. You know, 200 pounds, 30, 30 pounds heavier than anybody. I could take them all. It's like Peter whipping out his sword, you know, in front of 800 guys. I commend the guy for that. That's pretty gutsy. That's a gutsy move. But still, didn't work out, did it? And so no matter how gutsy you are in the flesh, it's not, that's not going to be the thing that makes you the witness that, that you want to be. You know, I, I think that a lot of times when we look at our witness to the people who are around us and, and trying to be a, have a good testimony of who Jesus is, I think, I think that we, we can get too crazy about it. That, that whole idea of what are they going to think about me? You know, a lot of the people that I've witnessed to over the years, I'm, I'm never going to see them again. You know, you're on an airplane, you're talking to somebody next to you, you're all afraid of, of, of bringing up Jesus. You're never going to see these people again. Who cares what they think about you? Even if it's uncomfortable for the last hour of the flight, who cares? You know, it's like you can, you can just be nice to them after the fact and, and that kind of thing. I just, um, actually, I got to lead a kid to the, the Lord this last week over in the school. Went over and did a Q&A session with the kids and uh, one, of the, one of the teachers was standing behind this kid and she's waving at me, it was Kylie. She's waving at me and she's pointing at this kid and she's like right behind him, pointing at him. And it's like, obviously I need to you know, answer his question first. And I said, you, you, know, you got a question? And he goes, yeah. Um, and this is what he asked me. He asked me, how do you really get saved? How do, how do you really accept Jesus? And I go, what do you want? You want, you want verses? And he, go, he goes, Okay, yeah, I want verses. And he's probably, what, what was he, would he be in fifth grade, Bob? Yeah, he was in fifth grade. And so he, he asked me for verses. So I just kind of went through it with him. And I talked about receiving Christ and you have to repent and you have to believe and you have to call on the name of the Lord. How do you call on the name of the Lord? He goes, well, I guess you do that through prayer. And yeah, I go, yeah, and, and you know, all this stuff. And then receiving Christ into your life and that kind of thing. And, uh, and I get all done and he goes, and you know, while, while I'm doing this, I'm like, okay, I'm not gonna just let this kid go. <laughs> and so while I'm doing this with the, with the kid, he, he gets all done and he's, I go, is that good? 
And he goes, yeah, that's, that's good. And he kind of closed, you know, he had something going on there. I don't know if he, know if he had a notebook or something, but he kind of closed something, something up. And I go, let me ask you a question. Have you ever asked Jesus into your heart? And he goes, no. You've been listening to Crosswalk with Pastor Steve Winery. Crosswalk is the radio ministry of Calvary Chapel Tri-Cities in Kennewick, Washington. If you are interested in purchasing a copy of today's message or wanting to know more about what it means to follow Christ, then please contact our church office by phone at 509-736-2086. You can also look us up online at calvary-tricities.org. There you will find a wide variety of Pastor Steve's teachings to listen to or download for free. If you want to join us for church sometime, we are located at 10611 West Clearwater Avenue in Kennewick, Washington. Our Sunday morning service times are 7.30, 9.15, and 11 a.m. We also have Wednesday and Sunday evening services at 6.30 p.m. We hope you have been blessed today and join us again next time for Crosswalk.